Hello and welcome to Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. Nope, just kidding. It's Melissa and this is episode 32 of the Metal Chat podcast. I'm here with my trusty co-host Maeve Kitty. This week's episode is a celebration of the 40th anniversary of The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. But before we talk about that album, I need to wish my sister a happy birthday. She doesn't care about this podcast. But she was born on March 22nd. And March 22nd, 1982, she turned 12. And I got the gift. Because that, of course, is the birthday of Number of the Beast. If you want to hear how I got Number of the Beast, you can check out the Maiden A to Z podcast. I'm on the Invaders episode. And I talk about getting Number of the Beast. And yes, I'm old enough to have gotten it in real time. Instead, I thought that I would reach out to some of my friends and let them tell you about their connection with Number of the Beast. Some of the things that make this album so memorable, of course, it's the first time that most people heard Bruce Dickinson. And unfortunately, it's the last time we saw Clive behind the kit for Iron Maiden. It also gave birth to many songs that we still hear live to this day. And probably none is more synonymous with Iron Maiden than the song Hallowed Be Thy Name. It's most people's favorite, some people's favorite Iron Maiden song of all time. It's up there for me on this album. It is one of the highlights, although I am also a huge fan of the song Children of the Damned and The Prisoner. So without further ado, here are my friends from all over the world to tell you how they discovered Number of the Beast and their favorites from that album. Hello, I'm Andrew. I'm on Twitter at A.G. Whitnell. Um, I'm originally from the beautiful county of Sussex on the south coast of England, but I'm now living on the beautiful Mornington Peninsula near Melbourne, Australia. You may have heard me on Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone from time to time. Number of the Beast. 40 years old. Who'd have thought it? Um... Probably the one Iron Maiden or most non-Maiden fans would have heard of. And apart from maybe two songs, uh, it's packed full of five out of five classics. I first came across the, the album amongst my brother's collection of records when I first discovered Maiden back in 1988. Um, I went through the whole back catalogue of albums and loved everything. Two songs from this album stood out to me. Uh, they are The Prisoner and 22 Acacia Avenue. Uh, I love the intensity of The Prisoner. Um, although the lyrics don't appear to bear much relation to the television series it's named after, um, I watched the series probably about 30 years ago. And I don't really remember much about it. Um, it was an unusual, surreal cult television programme set in a Welsh coastal village of Port Merion, designed by a, in a Mediterranean style by Sir Clough Williams Ellis. Um, the creator and lead actor, Patrick McGowan, famously gave permission for, the, for audio from the programme to be used as the intro of the song uh, in a phone call with Rod Smallwood. Um, I think it ended with McGowan just saying, do it. Um, 22 Acacia Avenue is a more gritty, earthy song, uh, continuing the saga of Charlotte the Harlot. Uh, I enjoy the contrast between the banality of the address and what goes on behind the front door. Um, Acacia Avenue is a bit of a cliché name in Britain for the sort of average suburban street where nothing particularly exciting happens. Um, I think I've read somewhere, and I may be wrong, that this was inspired by a lady called Cynthia Payne, who became famous in Britain in the 70s and 80s um, uh, after she was convicted of running an illegal brothel in a street named Ambleside Avenue in Streatham in south-east London. I've seen The Prisoner live, but I'm still waiting patiently for 22 Acacia Avenue to appear in the live set. I've never seen it. Bruce, Steve, bring it back. 
My name is Don. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living in Liverpool, the UK, uh, home of the Beatles, many people would say it. Um, yeah, I've, I've been at known Iron Maiden for, ooh, well, predating this particular album even, because um, I actually first came in contact with them when they were supporting Judas Priest in 1980. Um, and I was pretty keen on them. That, uh, yeah, they were a major band for me, but um, round about the t- spookily enough and naughtily enough, round about the time the album came out, my interest in music started waning because I was getting distracted by all sorts of other things. So I was well aware of it, but not over familiar with this. So it's only in the, the last, it's less than 20 years ago that I actually got hold of a copy and perhaps. I, uh, that gives me a slightly different appreciation to it because I'm a way, able to see it now in the context of what went round it and how how crucial it was to the development of the band's career as well as the overall uh, shape of music as it developed. And it's, it's I think it's certainly fair enough to say. Um, and it's, you know, it's often said, but I think it is fair enough to say that there's probably two key albums in the development of metal. One, of course, is the Black Sabbath debut album, which everybody says near enough invented the genre. And then the other one is uh, Number of the Beast, because you can look at the way I look at it is the whole business of metal was starting to flag a little bit. Uh, round at the time, uh, yeah, you know, it hadn't. No, no album came out almost like an as an answer to to new, new wave and punk, uh, and w- which is why the early sound of the band uh, had had seemed to have those influences. But with Number of the Beast, that was the album really that defined how metal and particularly metal in the UK would would go from there on onwards, and of course with it being the album that also broke them in the States, it meant that British metal became the dominant force the way British rock had, had been, in, been around in the English-speaking world throughout the, throughout the 60s and in, into the early part of the 70s. I, was, I, was, I haven't actually done much preparation, but I did re, uh, listen to the album earlier on. Um, and I've got, this is the, the remaster that I've got. And... It actually has the track that lots of people say they wish had been on the original, which is Total Eclipse. Um, and that I, I just absolutely love that particular song. But I think I'm, I think like so many people, I'm, 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 I'm with Steph that you know the the killer track on this really is Hallowed Be Thy Name. You know, just and you can you can see why it's been a mainstay apart from what one tour, of course a mainstay of the set list ever since the album came out because it's just such an amazing track with so much so much dynamic in it uh, you know the, and in that and the title track are probably the two on the album that most show off to best effect uh, which presumably that's why they're included show off the, the to best effect the, the 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 voice of their then brand new vocalist who was um He'd made a big name for himself previously. And um, yeah, apart from the, from the very opening of it, I keep waiting for a brummy accent to come in and say, hello, my name's Wayne. And if pe- people, who don't, people who don't listen to uh, Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast won't get that. But I recommend you, uh, you, you do pick up on that one. It's real, well worth it. Yeah, um, love the album. Love the album. Love the band, obviously. And it's... They're one of the key things in, in 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 my life, and I honestly don't know where it'd be these days without without Maiden's music. Love it, I love it absolutely. This is Eric from Stockholm. I first heard the Number of the Beast in its entirety uh, late summer, two thousand. Now at this point, I'd seen the band live twice. I saw them in a reunion tour in '99, September '99, in Stockholm, Sweden, and then I saw them again on the 27th of June, the year 2000, on the Metal 2000 tour, or a Brave New World tour, if you will. Now, the 99 gig uh, was probably my 
second proper concert ever. So it was a bit overwhelmed, and it didn't really just uh, click for me that, that night, that particular night. Well, looking back, that feels kind of sad that I uh, that experience was wasted on me. But next time I saw him, and this would have, this was on the 27th of June, uh, year 2000, it did click with me in a big, bad way. Um, no exaggeration saying that that gig changed my life and probably shaped who I am uh, today uh, in probably more ways than I'm even aware of myself. Now, the rest of that summer, because uh, at this point I only had two albums, really. I had Fear of the Dark and Brave New World. So I spent the rest of the summer, you know, trying to, like, you know, scrape together any, you know, every little cent. We don't have cents in Sweden. We have crowns, so I tried to scrape together every last crown I could find so I could afford to pick up the rest of the catalog, the rest of the albums. Uh, and I think the first one I got was Peace of Mind, if I recall correctly. I think the second one I ever was Number of the Beast. And I remember when I was when I picked that one up. This was um, this one actually. Even though I, I was living in Sweden, I picked this one up in Virginia Beach, visiting my god, uh, my godmother. I remember getting it, and I, I just I just grabbed it. I, I picked it up in the store quickly. You know, I I, I think I was trying to hide it sort of some degree because I had very sort of like Christian uh, parents and Christian surrounded by Christians on all sides essentially. Um, so I, I thought this might be, you know, this is number of the beast. I was sort of vaguely aware that, that, that there was something that you know one was supposed to sort of, you know, be wary of. So I got it, and when the only one I got home and sort of opened it up, it looked, I saw how many songs there were on there that I, that I knew already. Like for instance, like the the biggest songs, like like you have, you have you have, you have the title track of Run of the Hills, Hell Be Thy Name, and even as sort of a novice fan, I definitely knew all three of those songs. So you were kind of overwhelmed by how much fucking awesomeness was on this one fucking package that's how I, that's how i got it and that's my first sort of uh initial response to uh, to it it is not one of my favorite albums with them i'll say that uh but it has i think arguably how be their name is maybe i don't say it's not even not even just their best song perhaps perhaps the best song ever written um but if i had to pick another one like i said a deeper track or deep cut as they say I'd probably go with The Prisoner. That was one of the first ones I really latched on to. I don't know. There's something about it, I guess, uh, that just uh, spoke to me. Also being kind of like in a situation where I didn't really feel very accepted in school or even really at home. Um, you know, I said, I, I, like I mentioned, the, the very Christian kind of parents. But I went to a sort of like a fancy-smancy kind of school. And I've, I can be called many things, but fancy-smancy is not one of them. I'll tell you that. And I, ne- I have never, never been that. So I stuck out like a sore thumb. So this sort of anthem of uh, not being a prisoner of your own circumstances and some breaking free to, you know, go go out and do whatever the hell you is that you want to do, uh, really meant a lot to me and really spoke to me, and it still does. It's still definitely one of my favorite songs uh, from the album, or probably one of my favorite songs just in you know fucking general. There's a few of those kind of uh, like you know eternal like all time, timeless, classics on this album. I'd say so. Yeah, they they did they did a good job with this one. You know, call me crazy, but I think maybe these uh, these kids, you know, have a future. <laughs> Hello, Melissa. This is Fergal Trainer from Dublin, Ireland, also of Feckin Metal and the Feckin Check-In podcast. And uh, it's a great pleasure and honor to be asked to participate in your Number of the Beast 40th anniversary episode special. So thank you for having me again on your podcast. Uh, you've asked me to mention how I got into the Number of the Beast album and what my background is and etc etc so in case there's people listening who haven't listened to your previous episode where i was uh, was on now i'm from dublin ireland i'm 36 years old i got into iron maiden in 2002 and i would have been 16 years old at the time coming on 17 a bit later than a lot of people uh, from listening to the likes of uncle steve's iron maiden zone or even wayne's iron maiden podcast i didn't get into them until my mid to late teens uh, but I was I was into rock music before that. I was into heavy rock, and Iron Maiden came a bit later. I've mentioned before that I always found their album covers quite intimidating when I was younger, and this is certainly no exception to that rule. Uh, just looking at it now, I have the CD here in front of me. Uh, Eddie with his puppet master hand over the devil, who in turn is the puppet master of Eddie, in this kind of strange um, power struggle of who's who, who made who, who's controlling whom. Uh, etc. This album is obviously one of the best Iron Maiden albums of all time. You don't need me to tell you that. I got into Iron Maiden via the compilation album, The Best of the Beast, in 2002. 
and there were the version that I had, the two CD version, there were three tracks on that that were from The Number of the Beast and that was the title track, The Number of the Beast, uh, Run to the Hills and Hallow Be Thy Name. And I loved all of those songs on that album. And after a while, like my friend and I, Kevin, we we bought the albums gradually one by one. So we used to go into town or Dublin city centre. There was a shop called Borderline Records, which um, CDs were expensive at the time. This was 2002, let's say 2003, and CDs were expensive. So a, a, a CD of Iron Maiden might sell for 20 euro in the high street a music retailer HMV. I remember buying Brave New World for 22 euro or something like that in Terra Records back in around 2002. Um, and but most of the albums were around 20 euro and it was, it was quite expensive at the time. It would be certainly expensive now to buy a CD, but it was expensive at the time as well. And catalog albums hadn't just reduced in price. So a few years later, all of a sudden catalog albums were 10 euro across the board. You could buy anything like, you know, a Neil Young album, an ACDC album, an Iron Maiden album, a Guns N' Roses album. If it was a catalog album, you know, an older album. You'd probably pick it up for a tenner, but it wasn't, we weren't quite there at that point. So we found this place called Borderline Records in Temple Bar in Dublin, which sold these albums for seventeen ninety eight, And we were delighted because we could save a couple of quid on uh, the price of an album. And then later on, they reduced the, the price of Iron Maiden albums to fourteen ninety eight. So I remember snapping up all of the Iron Maiden albums one by one, but we'd each snap up a different one and until we had the entire collection between us. And then eventually I eventually got almost every Iron Maiden album myself. The only one I don't own is Fear of the Dark. But The Number of the Beast was one that I purchased. I'm going to say it was 2002 or 2003. It's hard to remember the exact sequence of purchase. But immediately after listening to it, I heard songs that I'd never heard before. For example, the opening track, Invaders, which I didn't really like. And I don't like to this day. You were recently on Maiden A to Z where you talked about this song. And I would echo those sentiments. It's not one of my favourites. The do-do-do-do-do in the chorus just spoils the entire song. And it was just a five notes <laughs> and they fucked up the song um but the second song of the album children of the damned I, like i had only heard best of the beast bear in mind and i'd heard some other studio albums but like hearing children of the damned for the first time it was such a powerful uh, people used to the, the term like a face melter for a solo like it was almost like a soul melter of a song it was just so evil melodic menacing and catchy and <laughs> Oh, no music I'd ever listened to prior to that song had had all of those factors in that combination and touched me as much as that did. And it's still one of my favorites to this day. Later after that, The Prisoner, again, I'd never heard this before, before buying the album. Absolutely fantastic song. I was delighted when they reintroduced it to their set lists. I think it was the Made in England tour, maybe 2014 I saw that. Um in London, fantastic to hear that. 22 Acacia Avenue, another banger of a song which I'd read about but hadn't really listened to until I heard this album, the actual studio album. Uh, I remember reading about it in Mick Waugh's book, Run to the Hills, but again, a great song. The lyrics have dated terribly, um, but it's still a good song and I did hear it live at the um, uh, early days tour, Eddie Rips Up the World or Eddie Rips Up Europe as it was called at the time. Um Number to Beast, like, what else can I say about that? Nothing that anyone else hasn't said. Run to the Hills, same. Gangland, not a bad song. It gets a, it doesn't get a fair shake, I don't think. Great solo in it. Totally Clips, which is on my version I have here, which is the 1998 remaster. Very decent song. Nice live version on Beast Over Hammersmith. And Hallowed Be Thy Name. My God, it is heavy metal. It is the epitome of heavy metal. It is quintessential Iron Maiden. It's quintessential heavy metal. It is the song that should be sent to aliens in this fictitious scenario that everyone always likes to bring up um, if you had to try and get aliens into heavy metal. I'd love to see if this ever actually happens. But um, if I had to, for some reason, in a highly fictitious scenario, if I had to con- if I had to convert aliens to heavy metal fans, I'd try and uh, do so by playing them Hallowed Be Thy Name. So The Number of the Beast, to me, is one of the most important albums in heavy metal. It's shocking to realize that it's 40 years old i remember when i was 16 it was 20 years old now i'm 36 it's 40 years old i remember thinking it was old at the time being a 20 year old album and little did i know how naive i was at the time to think that that was old but uh, yeah it's, it's just it's, it's it's seminal it's quintessential like what what are adjectives can i use to describe it i love it and i would still listen to it straight through I'd even play invaders but anyway yeah it's a great album and I, I don't know, I, I listen to it for the rest of my life. Thanks for having me.
Anyway, this is uh, Jesse, the delivery guy. That's just a title I gave myself. Um, I, it, my, my friends call me Jesse. So, um, yeah, Number of the Beast. Um, well, where I'm from, I'm right smack dab in the middle of uh, the country. Central Illinois, about 100 miles southwest of Chicago. Um, right where Interstate 80 runs through the whole country. I'm right on I-80 and 39. That's where I'm from. You know, I grew up in the church, you know, uh, my parents, uh, I grew up Lutheran and, uh, went to Sunday school and music was always big, you know, in my family, especially cause we were a church family and, uh, I'm on early release for time served, but, um, you know, uh, the, the church really got me into music to start with. And then I heard like ACDC and stuff, but, but, uh. Yeah, but as far as Number of the Beast goes, yeah, it's a, it's a great album. I think I bought that. My Iron Maiden history, is, is it, it bounces back and forth because I didn't start from the first album and until the last album. I kind of like went all over the place. A friend of mine had an older brother when I was a kid, and he had all the Iron Maiden posters and everything like that. And I was like, man, them posters are pretty cool. And then... My friend was like, yeah, they are pretty cool. Maybe you should buy some albums. And then we started, you know, you know, Iron Maiden were great with that. You know, they followed like along with Kiss, you know, they knew how to market their stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, the posters are really what got me to start listening to uh, Iron Maiden. 22 Acacia Avenue is uh, probably either that or Gangland is one of my favorite songs. Um, they're all good. You know, obviously, Hollywood Be Thy Name is a classic. I mean, you can't mess with that. But, uh, you know, I think it could be retired, you know, at least for a tour or two. But nah, then that would start a whole nother hornet's nest. <laughs> MCM listeners, uh, this is Jonathan from Maiden A to Z, and Melissa asked me to share a few words on the album Number of the Beast. Uh, you can also check out uh, when uh, your host, Melissa, joined us on Maiden A to Z uh, doing Invaders, which is the first song on the album Number of the Beast, and uh, you know, get her story and current situation surrounding that song and a little bit in the album at large. But yeah, uh, for me, uh, I got into the band at the tail end, the very tail end of the Blaze era. Didn't see them live, I didn't catch the 99 Ed Hunt tour either, wasn't that into the whole thing, I guess, of going to concerts whatsoever. I was 11, 12 years old at that time. And then uh, in between 13 and 14, in the year of 2000, uh, I did see Maiden live, but then it was already with Bruce. And that was uh, a mere 18 years after number of the beast and uh, it's been 22 years since so that's you know interesting by itself i guess uh, number of the beast was uh, the second album i bought by the band the first one was brave new world so i didn't have any albums in the beginning i guess i had mp3s or i burned some cdrs and taped c60 something like that but uh, i went ahead bought brave new world realized i'm gonna have to buy the other 11 albums too and uh, the first one i picked was number of the beast so why was that? 
that was all because of the artwork. I loved it. I love it today still. My first metal t-shirt whatsoever was uh, Number of the Beast. I used it a few, fair few times live. Not sure where it is now, but it's a bootleg anyway, so you know, it's not valuable. And talking music on the album, um, it's a fantastic album, I think. Um, I'm a bit of a Martin Birch fanboy, and his production on this is just A-level. He came in from albums like Mob Rules, Heaven and Hell, the Deep Purple stuff, um, uh, Fire of Unknown Origin, Blue the Cult. He came in with that, you know, behind him and under his belt. There's nothing to complain about. It's absolutely heavy metal perfection. So you got that going for the album. And that goes for the whole album. Everything sounds stellar. And what about the songs then? Invaders, go check out our episode. Uh, how about that one? You know, because that's a bit complicated. Children of the Damned, love it. Uh, Prisoner. What a cool track, uh, sort of Adrian Smith AOR flavor already creeping in so early in the band. 22 Acacia Avenue is a banger, great track, really, really mean sounding riffage in that one. Uh, we flip over to the B side, we got Number of the Beast. That's an odd track. It has the punky flavor of, of Early Maiden, uh, but sort of, it's not a punk song. Uh, is it a heavy metal song? Yeah, I guess it's a, like a new album type sounding tune but it's really odd and i love it you know even i know it was on tony hawk's pro skater as well so maybe it has a skate punk quality to it even who knows uh, i mean there was a few classic cuts on that it was ace of spades and so on anyway but uh, i love that track i think uh, some of the coolest guitar solos amazing drums by clive burr as is his performance on the rest of the album is is you know absolutely amazing uh, very powerful and uh, great sound so that goes into the Round to the Hills, a song that I was never really a big fan of, but I recognize the strength in that track. It's a, it's a banger of sorts, and it was fun to hear that Bruce sort of got the idea of a rising sixth interval in the chorus melody from uh, big hits from um, years past or even decades past, like um, My Way, I believe, in a Frank Sinatra tune. I don't, I don't think he wrote it, but he made it famous. That has a rising sixth, just like the chorus of Round to the Hills. So it was sort of designed to be an earworm, and I guess they succeeded. Not a track I love, but I think it fits really well on the album, performed with a lot of ferocity and nothing really to complain about anyway. And then we got towards the end of the album with Gangland. I think it's a, sort of a forgotten gem of sorts. Um, I know that Melissa is a total clipster. Uh, it might be a better track, but as far as the album sequence go. Uh, Ganglander for me. I think it fits the sequence well going from Round the Hills to the ending, which is Hallow Be The Name. And this track by itself sells the album. This is amazing. This is uh, absolute 100 out of 100. 103 out of 100. Uh, heavy metal staple. Maybe it's the song that defines heavy metal, I think I've said. And now I did again. So yeah, I think that's it. Let's keep it at that anyway for this time. So uh, Johnny Headline signing off and uh, check out Maiden A to Z. Have a good one, MCM listener. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Kirsty. I've been an Iron Maiden fan for 35 years now. I'm speaking to you from Australia, but back when I bought The Number of the Beast, I was at school in England. I first bought this album on cassette. I was very taken with the artwork. I used to draw the devil all the time. I drew his face on the back of my jeans pocket and wore them until they became shorts. Since I already knew Live After Death backwards, I only had three new songs to discover. I like every song on the album, it's a classic. Everyone I know loves Run to the Hills, even if they couldn't name another Maiden song. There are a few contenders for my favourite song, but today it is Children of the Damned. I love the slow pace and the mix of acoustic and electric guitars. There is some vivid imagery and the solo is incredible. I'm looking forward to playing it again on the big day, as I'm sure everyone else is. Enjoy! Hello, this is Luis Mariano all the way from Venezuela, and I'm going to talk about my first encounter with the number of the Beast album. Notice that I say encounter and not about listening to the album, because it was two different experiences. Uh, the first time I got in contact with the Number of the Beast album, I was at the principal's office in my school for being not so nice boy, and 
I guess I was about like 12, 11 years old. And this guy entered the principal's office. He was much older than me, holding a record, which at first I saw that had like this comic strip uh, cover, which is what uh, actually was uh, what interested me about this, this album. Uh, Little by little, I got nearer to the to the, this teenager, and he then said, "Oh, come on over here already!" And he let me grab the album, and honestly, I was uh, it was awesome. I thought the cover was really really good, you know, the the famous cover with Eddie as a puppet master with the devil, and that 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 image uh stuck in my mind for quite a long time uh, melissa asked me when it was the first time that i actually got the album it was around 1990 uh, because for some reason um when i was much younger my teenage years, I didn't actually buy much records, but um, I didn't actually heard Maiden uh, until 1990. And I quite famously remember that the first album I got was um, No Prayer for the Dying, followed up by the next week by uh, Somewhere in Time, and I don't know, I guess I, uh, I must, I think the first time I actually heard the Number of the Beast album was when I borrowed it from a friend of mine that had an older brother and, and, and he allowed me to borrow the record. And, <laughs> well, we, we, this brings me to talk about my favorite song in the album, which is definitely Hallow Be Thy Name. Um, I was pretty impressed about uh, Bruce holding the, the, the high note, the famous high note in the song. And the, the entire song it was like so much changes and, and this whole scenario, this whole, yeah, images that created in my head that, that, that was the thing that struck me the most. And right until this day, Hello Be Thy Name, I want to say, wouldn't say it's my favorite song, but it's definitely on my top five favorite songs from Maiden. And well, that's basically it. Uh, like, I guess many fans, uh, the power of Eddie was the first thing that, that actually drew me to the album uh, before the music. And other songs that I really like, I, I actually like the entire the entire album. Um, it's been a while since I last heard it, but I I do like it. And contrary to what many people think about, uh, I I think leaving Total Eclipse out of it was a good decision. Because uh, I don't know, Gangland is is it's a pretty cool way to start an album i actually uh, also remember that when i when i heard it the first time that that intro i thought whoa what an intro to an album and uh, so i i like that song very much and well that's my story with the album thank you melissa for allowing me to to talk about my experience with it and up the irons well, there, my name is Martin Popoff. I'm in Toronto. Uh, thank you, Melissa, for having me for your uh, celebration of Number of the Beast, 40th anniversary. Um, you asked, uh, when when did I get this album? So I consult the the old, uh, this is, this is a, a running log of all my purchases and what I played and where I got them all, all the way back to, I think I started this in 1979. I stopped it in the, or like 92 or something like that. But I thought, well, you asked, so I looked it up. So, uh, so I got the number of the beast brand new at A&A records in Vancouver. Uh, I was in my first year university and I uh, paid $4 and 97 cents 
on April 7th, 1982. And I have a note here that my dad had visited from Trail, our uh, small town in the interior, eight hours in. And I remember that fondly because he took me to a few Vancouver Canucks um, playoff games. I don't know if this was the, the game seven. This, I think this year they went all the way to, uh, to, to, uh, to the finals. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, so that's when I got Number of the Beast. There's my copy there. Uh, signed by Derek, Adrian, and Bruce. And uh, love this album, um, but not as much as Brian Slagle. It's his favorite album of all time. Uh, I've been known to, uh, you know, crap all over a few things about it. I never liked Run to the Hills very much at all. I, I find Number of the Beast uh, kind of sing-songy. I don't like that vocal melody going along with that sweet and sour riff, as I call it. Um, Invaders, everybody thinks that's uh, that's not a great album opener. It's famous for not being a great album opener opener uh or a, or a you know a, a completely top-notch maiden song children of the dams a little boring to me so uh you know gangland not great either so i i don't know how much i love this album i mean it, it's certainly um it would be about fourth or third in my list of favorite albums peace of mind killers maybe power slave next maybe the debut maybe this so it's kind of it kind of in that that range so it's not that high um you also ask what my favorite uh, song is on this album. Uh, you know, the song that always wins the polls is Hallowed Be Thy Name. But I would say my favorite on the album is 22 Acacia Avenue. I, I love the way that that just stops. And then that that perfect, you know, palm muted riff goes in there. And then it then it descends into the chorus. Um, so that one and Prisoner are uh, the Prisoner are actually my favorites on the album and Hallowed, I suppose. But 22 Acacia a uh, Avenue is my favorite. Uh, I remember being very excited about this at the time. We all we knew this whole story about Bruce joining from Samson and all that. It was really cool. Um, Derek personally is is not that crazy about this album cover art. He didn't think the um the colors turned out that good. I don't I don't think it's a great cover either. I think this is a really not not a great looking Eddie on here. It looks kind of rushed. Although as Derek told me when we did the Derek book, uh you know everything about uh, Maiden was rushed when he had to do these artworks. They always he he always remembers bringing them in while the paint was still wet kind of thing. Um so yeah, pretty pretty darn good album. Um. I love how the timing is a little on and off. I love how the production's kind of a little bit raw on it. Um, it, it actually feels a little less studied to me than even Killers. Um, but I think the next album is is several, several times better. I think Peace of Mind's a better album. So, uh, so there you go. There's my Number of the Beast memories. Uh, thanks again for having me. Hi, this is Matt. And originally I was from Perth in Western Australia. Uh, but that was many years ago since I left home and came this way because now I find myself in Kansas City, Kansas in the USA. Anyway, the number of the beast changed many a thing uh, for me. As a boy, could never have imagined what was to come. Uh, so I was 13 when I had first heard this album. And it came about uh, just from being silly with one of my mates on a coming back from a school excursion and going back to class. And he was tapping on his bag, drumming on his bag, and just kind of singing a tune to himself. And it was the chorus of a song, as it turned out. And it was just something that I tried to wind him up about or get a rise out of him. I was like, that's not how it goes. It goes like this. And I basically just mimicked what he did with a little bit of a change. Uh, just to try and get a rise out of him, just see if I could get some sort of response. If he got one out of, if I got one out of him, I don't remember. But he did lend me the number of the Beast cassette, so that's a win for me. Uh, so I remember that I was at the time I'd been listening to things like Europe and Bon Jovi and geez, even a little bit of Poison. <laughs> Look what the cat dragged in. Um, but I remember I'd started with side two. Or that I had started with side two because the first thing I remember was the intro and then that scream that what would be an iconic scream in metal to number of the beast and then the launch into the chorus six 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 the number of the beast I had heard nothing like this the way Bruce delivered that that chorus and the vocals in this song all I could picture was a, a cobra kind of rearing up, spitting venom. 
that's what I pictured when I could see or hear Bruce uh, delivering the vocals to this. I loved it. The lyrical content of that particular song, it wasn't that. Yeah, it might be cool, you know, or what is it, Devil Worship or whatever. I don't know, I was only 13. But it was the power of the music and just Bruce's delivery that I loved about this. I played that track over and over again the first time I listened to this um, album. And sometimes I was just rewinding the chorus, listen to it, go back, listen to that chorus again and again. So it was probably a few times before I'd even gotten into Run to the Hills. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. So that's a pretty good track to follow up uh, to Number of the Beast. Gangland's still, I think it's a solid track today. I can see that in the big picture of things, it's one of the lesser tracks, but it is still one that I enjoy. Uh, but then to move on to Hello Be Thy Name in the order that I was listening to him back as a kid, love that as well. Uh, the lyrics, I remember thinking, something's not going right here for this bloke. It's all, uh, it's looking pretty grim. But it, into that musical passage, I don't know, I think this has got to be something close to a, a perfect song in metal because I can't think of a better way to improve that track. Down to the drumming. I love the drumming in this as well as on lots of the album. But the way that this album ends with that slowdown in the beat of the drumming there, loved it. Uh, another thing I used to remember driving around the city. My mum was driving me around, I should say, because I was only 13 at the time. And I'd be like, can I listen to that cassette? You know, the one that's got Run to the Hills on it to try and, you know, coerce my mum into letting me listen to it. And, you know, she didn't mind that track, Run to the Hills. She liked the melody and I'd find her humming it. So that was always an extra little way to hear some maiden, you know, away from home if I was in the car with her. Uh, Invaders. So I know that song gets a bit of flack, but it's one I still don't mind it. I understand it's not as strong as probably all the other tracks on this. But the only problem that I have with this, and it's not lyrics, it's not really um, the verses or the way he sings, just that little run, that little did You know, I could have done without that. But that's a small gripe to pay for a Maiden track, I would say. It's still one I enjoy. Children of the Damned. Here you go. That is a very, very good track, got to say. I love that slow intro, that acoustic intro, and then where it just turns on its head. And I always picture the the Beast Over Hammersmith. I used to have the the version on the 12 Wasted Years video, and I used to love watching this. It was such a heavy song, that second half of it. A beautifully crafted, heavy song. The Prisoner, Clive's little drum intro at the start. Actually, Clive's drumming. I'm a fan of that just in general. Uh, Adrian's guitar work on this, impeccable. Another another track of mine that's been a favourite at one time or another. Still a, a favourite to this day, maybe not number one, but it's right up there. 22 Acacia Avenue, there's some more Smitty magic on that. Smitty, Smithy, I should say. Don't want anyone confusing it with uh, something else. But um, another great track. I think the only... Um, the only downer on this album is that they didn't keep Total Eclipse. And the only way I used to be able to watch that or hear that was via the 12 Wasted Years video. And I think that the album would have been better served with that. But, you know, history's history. It is what it is. It doesn't take away from what this album is. And to me, this album, it become a bit of a life changer. I could never have thought as a 13-year-old kid that just listening to an album would have such a big effect on the rest of my life. Never could have imagined that just because I listened to one album, it would cause me, for one, to shell out thousands and thousands of dollars uh, throughout the rest of my life, whether it was T-shirts or magazines and posters and, and all sorts of stuff, let alone accommodation and traveling and tickets, you know, to, to travel around the U.S. to get to see the band. Um, but also, you know, through having listened to this album, years and years later, I've been able to introduce my wife to not only the album but the band and taking her to shows, uh, taking my stepdaughters to a show in years gone by. Uh, my little son, he'll see his first show for the first time uh this year in Denver when Melissa 
we'll get to meet up and I'm looking forward to that. And I know that Uncle Steve's going to be there as well. Um, but it's funny that the negativity that this album got from the non-metal community for things like lyrical content or imagery, that nothing could be further from the truth. This has had such a positive effect on the way my life turned out, like I said, um, that I can introduce my family, like share, share experiences, enjoy, just enjoy music, a different genre of music. I don't know. It, it all worked out really well for me. I've made friends through um, through little talks like this, getting to share experiences with people around the world and hearing other people's experiences of having listened to this album. You know, it's brought people together. There's nothing negative about that. It hasn't divided. You know, it's just so important. To me, Number of the Beast, I'd never thought about it before, but I think that this is probably not just the most important Iron Maiden album to me as I look at it now, but the most important album that I ever had the, the pleasure to experience and all the experiences that I've reaped from that have been um, incredible. So that's it. Thank you very much for letting me share those moments. I hope I haven't gone too long. Uh, <laughs> but no, thank you. Enjoy. Hello, this is Paul, and I'm the person behind Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. I don't know the exact date that I first heard The Number of the Beast, but it would have been around the time it came out. I was well, about five years old, and it was my dad who brought it home one day, uh, this interesting-looking record. And it was different to all the others in the house, all the other records. There was no photo of the artist on the front, just this scary-looking creature on a dark but also quite vivid background. I really liked scary stuff at that age, the idea of ghosts and skeletons, and that was probably inspired by Scooby-Doo, so not quite as sinister as what was staring at me from this cover. And just that was enough to excite me at that stage. Forget the music, just the detail on the sleeve, and I'd sit and look at that for ages. And eventually I'd actually go and look for it when I went to record shops. You know, I'd hunt it down, even though I already owned it. But yeah, the music also drew me in. Uh, it went beyond the normal guitar music I'd have heard at the time, and it was nothing like the music on kids' TV shows. So I was pretty young, so I had this sort of naive idea that the voices at the start of the songs, the number of the beast and the prisoner, those voices were Eddie and the devil off the cover, so I probably would have had that sort of rather odd view of it, not realising that they were samples and actors. It was the first album I heard from the band, and therefore it was the first one I owned, because my dad just let me have it, which was great. Uh, and this led to an obsession with the band for the rest of the 1980s. It's not an album I play a lot now, and uh, as a result, I don't have that feeling of being tired of certain songs. The title track for me is still up there with the best, even though it's been played live so often. There are better Iron Maiden albums and better sleeves, but um, you know it's of its time, but what a great time. And I see that cover and I could just hear the music and feel it. Uh, it's this sort of tone that's still a bit raw and unpolished if you compare it to later albums. But rather than make it a lesser piece of work, I feel that those inconsistencies add a bit of a charm. It's the sound of a band finding themselves, but still quite close to a peak so early on. And that's what makes it a classic, the whole package really. It goes beyond just being a, a great set of songs. Now, nearly 20 years later, when I upgraded from vinyl to CD, this was one of the first Iron Maiden albums I got. And that was partly because Total Eclipse was on the remaster, but also because of what it meant to me. And here I am, 40 years on, talking about it on a podcast. Hey, Melissa. Philip checking in. The number of the beast. What does it mean to me? When did I hear it for the first time? I was 12. This would have been in 1991. I, was, I grew up in Switzerland. And I was sitting in my friend's room. We were listening to music on his boombox. And we listened to a CD sampler called The Decade in Metal. It was the 80s. All the most popular or the best uh, metal tracks, by somebody's estimation at least. And it had a lot of great stuff on it, from Wasp to Halloween, Manowar, Motorhead, Judas Priest is where I heard all those bands for the very first time. But no track hit me like The Number of the Beast. 
when it came on, when I heard that spoken intro, I was completely dumbfounded. It just, for my little 12 year old young brain, that was the coolest thing ever. And I've been a fan ever since. And hold this album in very, very high regard. It's definitely always among my favorite. I would say it's probably their most recognizable, potentially. I think it's always up top for all the streaming services. It's full of classics that live on to this day in the live set and always will until Iron Maiden is no more. I mean, I think I've seen all of the tracks live except for the two they never played. And some of them are my very favorites. I still get chills when the title track comes on live. Uh, I never tire of it. Uh, neither do I have Hallowed. I saw The Prisoner live, Acacia Avenue, Children of the Damned. It's just a front-to-back classic. And in the early 90s, we, we still, we, we were in that, uh, what was it called? Satanic panic hangover phase. That was still going on. And Iron Maiden were still touted as this satanic band. It's very, very laughable, but there were people. I had friends, parents tell me, oh, what you're listening to is satanic and you shouldn't wear that T-shirt. It was absolutely hilarious. And as someone who didn't grow up religious um, and doesn't have a fondness for it, uh, this just added to the value of, of <laughs> all of it. I, I loved it. And uh, now I look back and I just have to laugh at how harmless this really is and was and how big of a deal some people made of it. But um, no, I think the number of the beast is up there with the best heavy metal records of all time. And uh, Martin Birch, his production, I mean, this thing sounds so fresh, so clear, so good. Uh, yeah, there isn't really much more to say for me. I still listen to it regularly, frequently, and uh, I love it with all my heart. Bye. Next up is Ralph from Long Island, New York. Oh, wow. 40 years of Number of the Beast. Wow, there's so many memories come flooding by thinking about um, that great album. I do remember it was the first album I ever bought that I knew when the release date was. I remember getting a circus magazine and there was the um, advertisement and, you know, coming out this day and... Me and my friend Mark, who I'm still friends with to this day, we rode our bikes and all the way to this uh, pro this uh, independent record store called Frank's Record and Tapes in my hometown. And it was across the railroad tracks. And I wasn't allowed to ride my bike over the railroad tracks at that time back in 1982, but we did it anyway. We both got the album and uh, we came, went back to my house, you know, plopped it on and were just blown away by number of the beast the song that was the first song we uh listened to and that was just amazing blew us away and then it's just been a whirlwind for, you know these past 40 years they were um they were slowly becoming my favorite band with the first album and killers and then once number of the beast hit with uh bruce coming in it just cemented the fact that they were going to be uh, with me for a long long time and you know they haven't let me down since uh, that album is, you know, real special to me. I still consider it the best of the Iron Maiden albums just because of the historical significance to me and the personal significance it holds for me. That was the first tour I ever saw them, uh, June 30th, 1982, at the North Stage Theater in uh, Glen Cove, Long Island. That was, uh, you know, life-changing day. And 80-something uh, times after that, I've st I'm still seeing them. So I got to say my favorite song that I still think holds up so great, and I never, ever, ever get sick of it, is um, How would be thy name it's just um you know it just um has every element that why you you know why we love iron maiden it has uh the lyrics the you know the jamming the, the guitar solos the bass intro i mean it's just it's um to me i think it's just um a complete song and to this day it still uh it still rocks and i still love it and uh that's my uh 40 year anniversary of a uh, number of the b story I st it still rocks i still love it and i can't wait to hear it See you, see you on tour. Up the irons. Hey, it's Scarpetti from 94HJY. Host afternoons 3 to 7 every day. Also, I host the longest-running heavy metal show in North America, The Metal Zone, each and every Saturday night at midnight. And we're here talking about Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast, the third album from these guys. I can't believe 
It's been 40 years since this album came out. 40 years! And yeah, I can't sit here and tell you stories about how I discovered this album with my friends, and then we went uh, down the street and we bought it and all this other stuff, because when this album came out, uh, I was four years old. Yes. (laughs) So that wasn't happening. They weren't exactly playing this album at the daycare that I was going to. No, my trip towards this album came due to my brother, okay? He was five years older than me. And I think I was eight, nine years old, and he was blasting this album in his room. And I came in and said, what the heck is this? This sounds awesome. Who is this? And he gave it to me. And then, of course, I dived into the rest of their catalog, and I just discovered an amazing band that I had not heard anyone else sound like. Just amazing. I mean, this is the album where we got Bruce Dickinson for the first time, okay? Bruce Dickinson. Imagine he didn't join Iron Maiden. Where would we be right now? Also, Clive Burr on drums. And then, of course, you have all these great songs on there. Children of the Damned, The Prisoner, uh, Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills. My favorite song, Hollow Be Thy Name, which I love to hear in concert. I think every single show they've done, I've seen them play that. I know for a while there, there was an issue. They were getting sued by somebody. They claimed that they wrote it and it was stolen, which is ridiculous. That's blasphemy. How dare you say that about Iron Maiden? But they stopped playing it for a little while, and I I was just like, you got to be kidding me, because there's not an Iron Maiden show without that song in it, because it's just phenomenal. And you think about how so many albums that you know and love sound like the time they were made, and they're a little dated when you listen to them now. There's nothing wrong with that, but they are dated. And then you listen to this album, and it still sounds just as good as it did 40 years ago. It's ridiculous. It really is. So, 40 years of Number of the Beasts from Iron Maiden. I can't believe it's been that long, but still one of my favorite albums of all time. Probably one of my Desert Island albums, too. You know, they tell you, hey, where are you going to pick if you get stuck on an island? If you had only five albums to listen to and you're stuck on a deserted island, what would it be? This would probably be one of them because it's just that damn good. So, happy anniversary to Iron Maiden and the Number of the Beast. My name's Stephanie. Um, I've been an Iron Maiden fan for far too long and I remember when Number of the Beast first came out and the first track I ever heard was Hallowed Be Thy Name but what really opened my eyes to the um, to it was when I bought the album and the first side was sort of, meh, it was okay and then I turned it over and the first track on side two was the title track and that opening phrase, of woe to you, O earth and sky. And this was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And, and that was it. After that, especially with Hallow Be The Name being the last track on the album as well, that second side was just like, just brilliant. And I really, when I, when I look back now, it's like, it was the album I knew Maiden had to do to be the success that they are now. It, this wasn't the album they had to do. Um, and in fact, I, I think, to be honest, I think it, you know, at the time we'd, we'd been having this new wave of British heavy metal with the likes of Saxon and Samson. And I think this, this album was the one that really kickstarted the whole, um, the whole genre of the new wave of British heavy metal, or Nawabam as we call it over here. Um, I saw the tour. Um, and ever since then, I've just been a Maiden fan. And I've just... There, whenever they're on, I'll go watch them. It's like that. They're, they're a band that, like, you just, once you get into them, they're with you for life. That's how I see them. And, uh, and that's it. Hey, Melissa, this is Uncle Steve from Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, your old friend. Hey, you asked me to tell you where I'm from. I'm from Texas. And you asked me about the number of the beast, the album, when I got it, and what my favorite song is. Uh, when did I get it? I got into Maiden 85, 86, so I can only assume that I got the album sometime in 86, maybe 87, but I heard the songs, most of them, from Live After Death before I had the album. Um, my favorite song, it, it, you know, it's 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 cliche probably to say Hallowed Be Thy Name, but that is one of their best songs ever. So I would have to say, Hallowed Be Thy Name. I mean, if I was giving a second place, I might go with uh, Children of the Damned or 22 Acacia Avenue. But it's a pretty damn good album. Cheers. Well, that's a wrap on episode 32. I want to thank everybody for participating. This has been a great, fun episode. I really enjoyed editing it 
and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Until next time, be well.